Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, thank you, Amy. Wow, what a, what a fun morning of so many good things going on. It's almost like it's Thanksgiving or something. This, this is great. Thanks for all of your involvement in, in these different opportunities. You know, there's, there's two attitudes that can keep us from Jesus. And these same two attitudes actually keep us from any human relationship, but Jesus is the most important one, so we're going to focus on that this morning. Two attitudes. One is to think too highly of ourselves. The other is to think too lowly of ourselves. So it is possible to think too highly of ourselves. You know, to think, I I don't need Jesus. I can do life on my own. Jesus is a crutch for, for people who just have needs, and I really... I can, I can do life on my own. Sometimes this is harder to see as, as adults because we cover it up more. But if you think back to like when you were in high school, some of you are still there. Um, in high school, there tends to be this group of people who just kind of have it all together, right? I mean, they're the, the popular people. They're talented. They're beautiful. You know, they, they just don't seem to need anything. And, and sometimes they can kind of think too highly of themselves. It's also possible to think too lowly of yourself. It's, it's possible to think, Jesus could never accept me. I mean, I understand the fact that he forgives other people, but if he knew what I've done, if he knew the shame that I carry, there's no way that he could receive me. And maybe you can remember back in your high school days, maybe you can remember someone who was just on the outskirts all the time, not accepted, just couldn't keep up, loner, thinking too highly of ourselves, thinking too lowly of ourselves. That Either one of those can keep us from Jesus. And that is a problem because the Apostle John tells us in his gospel that Jesus, in, in Christ, was life. And that life was the light of all humanity. And, and what he's telling us is that there, there is no life apart from Christ, either in this life or in the life to come. And so if we find ourselves separated from Christ, if we allow ourselves to think too highly or too lowly of ourselves and find ourselves separated from Christ, there is no life then available to us. And maybe you're in one of those categories here this morning. Maybe you're trying to figure life out. You're trying to figure Jesus out. Maybe you're thinking too highly of yourself. You think you don't really need him. You're not really sure. But, or you're thinking too lowly of yourselves. If that's the case, then you picked a good day to be here because we're going to look at someone that Jesus interacted with who could have gone to either one of those extremes. And he could have let his too high thoughts of himself keep him from Jesus or his too low thoughts keep him from Jesus, but he didn't. And there's something that we can learn from him in that this morning. So if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 19, that's where we're going to be. Luke 19. We are finishing our fall series 
And we're shifting to Christmas, if you can believe that. Like Joan said, like nine minutes away. Like I just, I can't even believe this month has just like flown by. So we're finishing this fall series. Jesus is coming to the end of his journey to Jerusalem. And in fact, later in chapter 19, what we're looking at here this morning, we're gonna see the triumphal entry where Jesus actually enters into Jerusalem. So we're getting really close. And as Jesus gets really close, Luke tells us about two different individuals who are responding to Jesus in faith. Along the journey, there's lots of people that hear Jesus that don't respond in faith, but he's highlighting two here near the end that respond in faith. Last week, if you were here, we saw a blind beggar responding to Jesus in faith. He was an outcast because he was blind, he was poor. Today, we're going to look at someone who is an outcast with an entirely different set of circumstances, but needs Jesus just as much. So we're going to start in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. If you remember last week, he was on the outskirts of Jericho. He was by the gate of Jericho. Now he's entering Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. All right, some of you right now may be remembering a song that you learned as a kid. Do you remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and there's motions that go with it. Wee little man was he, he climbed up in the sycamore. Some of you are doing, he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. Okay, we're not gonna go any further with that. Um, and I, I just need to comment on this song because it, it is cool that we learn songs sometimes at young ages that stick with us. This, this one is not my favorite. It's not my favorite Sunday school song for a couple of reasons. One, musically, it's just, it's just really bad. It's just the same line repeated over and over and over again. It's like, please change chords or just, just do something different. But the, the thing that's worse about the song is that the lyrics just really aren't that good because it's all about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. And he was, uh, as we will see, um, and that was significant for him, but it wasn't the most significant thing about him. The most significant thing about him we see in verse 2. He was a chief, what? Tax collector and was rich. All right, let, let's talk about chief tax collector here for, for just a moment. So being a tax collector, Zacchaeus would have been considered a traitor to his people. So by his, his family, his friends, his community, they would have viewed him as a traitor because he's a Jewish man collecting taxes on behalf of an occupying oppressive government, the Roman government. The Jewish people hated the Romans. And the Romans are collecting these exorbitant taxes. It's estimated in Jesus' day that, that everyone was paying 30 to 40% in taxes. That's a flat tax. That's not just the, the more wealthy people. So everybody's paying this exorbitant tax, and Rome would put out for bid to find someone who would collect these taxes. And so whoever bid the highest, Zacchaeus won the bid, and so he's able to collect these taxes. So the people all around Zacchaeus hated him because he's collecting their money to fund a government that they hate and to fund them to continue to spread their oppression throughout the world. I mean, they, they hate him for that. 
Not only that, not only was he collecting these funds, but he's also probably extorting them as well. He's probably taking more than even what Rome is wanting them to collect. Because the Roman government just said, as long as we get what is coming to us, you can take as much as you want. And so he's probably taking more off the top. And so they hated him for for that as, as well. But not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, which means that he's in charge of other tax collectors, and so his extortion was actually exponential. I mean, he is multiplying the oppression here. So people hated him. He was a a chief tax collector, and he was rich. I mean, Luke Luke doesn't want us to to miss this. He was rich, which means that all of his family, friends, community, they're sitting around him, watching him add onto his house, wear like really fine clothes that they can't afford, have, you know, really nice food shipped in. They're watching all of this and their resentment just grows because they're saying the reason you're rich is at our expense. So that's the kind of person Zacchaeus was. Last week, we saw an outcast who was blind and he was poor. Today, we have an outcast who's at the other end of the social ladder. Verse 3. And Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So, on top of him being a tax collector, he is short. That's, that's a reality for him. And he's trying to see Jesus. It says he can't see because of the crowd. So you can kind of picture this whole crowd bustling around. You can see this kind of short guy, like, you know, trying to stand on his tiptoes, trying to hop around. I kind of picture Danny DeVito, you know, doing this and, like, you know, hopping around. He can't, he can't see. And so he really, really wants to see Jesus. Um, some of you, we'll pause there. Some of you may be able to relate to him on the stature point. Maybe you, you've been shorter than average, and maybe you heard taunts about that when, when you were a kid. Or maybe you were at the other end of that scale. Maybe you were too tall, and you got taunted for that. Kids are cruel. I mean, kids find whatever they can to taunt about. Or maybe it didn't have anything to do with height for you. Maybe it had to do with, with IQ. Maybe you were a little slower to catch on than the people around you. Maybe you, had, you grew up with a chronic illness that took you out of the activities that all of your friends were normally engaged in. Maybe you just have a background that is, you're kind of ashamed of, something one of your parents did or some relative. These are the kinds of things that can cause us to think too lowly of ourselves or to cause us to think lowly of ourselves. And these are the kinds of things that can begin to isolate us from other relationships and can isolate us in our relationship with Jesus. We can think, if the people around us don't accept me for these reasons, then probably Jesus won't either. But so Zacchaeus could have let these things keep him from Jesus, but he didn't. Verse 4. He, you know, he's struggling with the crowds here, he, but he, he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. 
Here's what we learned from Zacchaeus. Don't let your stature or your station in life keep you from Jesus. Don't let your stature, whether that's your your physical stature or just the way people look at you or look down on you, or your station in life, don't, don't let those things keep you from Jesus. Zacchaeus could have let his physical stature keep him from seeing Jesus. He could have just given up. He could have said, I can't, I can't see over the crowd, I'm just going home. He could have let his station in life keep him from Jesus because he's rich. I mean, what does he need? What does he really need from Jesus? But he didn't let those things keep him from, from Jesus. He, he, verse 4, he ran and he climbed a tree. Question, who runs and climbs trees? Children. And so maybe you remember a few weeks ago, back in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, when Jesus said, let, little, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So Zacchaeus is acting like a child. He's running after Jesus. He's climbing up into this tree because he's desperate to see him. A sycamore tree could grow to 50 feet tall, had a thick trunk, and had limbs low to the ground. So it was perfect for climbing. It also had thick foliage. And so Zacchaeus is not just trying to climb a tree to be able to see Jesus. He's also trying to hide himself at the same time. I mean, he doesn't want this crowd seeing him, making fun of him any more than they already have. So he's trying to hide, but it doesn't work. Because Jesus sees him in verse 5. He came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. This is interesting here that Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. The people around him would have thought, no, you must not stay at his house. And in fact, they, they, they kind of reacted that way. Verse 7, when, when they saw it, the people around saw it, they all grumbled, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. See, Jesus said, I I must stay at your house. And all the people are thinking, no, you must not stay there because this guy is a traitor, because he is is unclean. You shouldn't get anywhere close to him. You certainly shouldn't go into his house and stay with him because, Jesus, you're on your way. Remember, you're on your way to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. You don't want to defile yourself by someone who's unclean. So you must not go there. But Jesus says, no, I... I must. And this, this is not lost on Zacchaeus. The, the fact that Jesus would come into his home. Jesus, Zacchaeus is not used to being accepted. He's used to being shunned. And here's this rabbi who is inviting himself over to his house, and it prompts a change of heart. Verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it twofold. Think about this for a second. Think about your net worth. And if you were to decide on a dime, I'm going to give half of it away. I mean, I don't care what your station in life is. That's going to impact you dramatically. And so he, he doesn't stop there. 
He says, if I've done anything wrong, and he knows he has, if I've defrauded anyone, and, and that word defrauded could just as easily be translated extorted, which means to take something wrongly by force or by threat. That's what he's done, and he says, I'm going to restore it fourfold. And in saying that, he's going way beyond what the, the law required. The Jewish law required in Numbers chapter 5, when a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he's committed and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. So the law required adding 20%. Zacchaeus is saying, I'm going to give that four times. What I took. I mean, this is, this is repentance in action. His heart has changed, and he's making a change in his life as, as a result. And this, this is the power of Jesus' acceptance of him. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus accepted him, and that is what prompts his repentance. We usually think it's the other way around. We think that if we repent, then God will accept us. But God is the great initiator. He is the one who comes to us with kindness. Romans tells us that his kindness, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Jesus' kindness to Zacchaeus stirs in his heart a, a change of mind and, and heart. So, this is good news. <laughs> There, there's no need to let your, your height or your IQ or your chronic illness or your shame over your past, there's no reason to let those things get in the way between you and Jesus. Don't, don't let your stature or your station in life keep you from Jesus. Let, let's recount what Zacchaeus models for us. He, he, he runs to see Jesus. He responds to Jesus' invitation. Okay, there's a bunch of R's here. So those of you who love like alliteration in your sermons, okay, get ready because there's a bunch of R's. He runs to see Jesus. He responded to Jesus' invitation. He received Jesus joyfully. We didn't even have time to talk about that, but Zacchaeus is overcome with joy that Jesus would receive, would accept him and invite himself over. He recognized his sin. He repented. He made restitution, and then he gets to share a meal with Jesus. He, he's sharing fellowship. It, it's a reminder of the banquet that Luke keeps talking about over and over and over again, the banquet that is to come that Jesus is inviting us to be part of. And then Jesus concludes the scene with this in verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Today, salvation has come to Zacchaeus. Not because of Zacchaeus' works. He hasn't done anything yet. He's promised to do something. He, he's, salvation has come to him because Jesus sees his change of heart. He sees his intention to now do the right thing, and his faith is expressed in action. Jesus says now he is a, a son of Abraham. He's also a son of Abraham. That's significant because 
uh, Zacchaeus was technically, ethnically, he is a son of Abraham. He's a Jewish person. But I think Jesus is going beyond that. And he's referring to him as a son of Abraham because he is now... He has now demonstrated the kind of faith that Abraham demonstrated when God called Abraham and said, I want you to go, and I'll show you where to go along the way. And Abraham obeyed. When when God called Abraham to sacrifice his only son, and Abraham obeyed, not knowing how it was all going to turn out. Zacchaeus doesn't know how this is all going to turn out. He doesn't know how his financial picture is going to change now that he's promised all of this restitution. But he's saying, I'm, I'm in it, Jesus, with you. I'm going to follow you. And so now he's a son of Abraham, not just by ethnicity, but also by virtue of his faith. And not only that, he's a son of Abraham, meaning he's included I mean, he who's been an outcast, he who's been castigated by the people around him, now Jesus is saying, you're included. You're part of my, my people. And you can be, too, as you follow the example of Zacchaeus and don't let your stature or your station in life keep you from him. You are not too lowly to come to Jesus. If you, if you think you're too lowly to come to Jesus, then I have, a, I have an assignment for you, and that is that you go home and spend this week reading again through the Gospel of Luke because you will see Jesus again and again and again going to the outcast, going to the person that, that no one else uh, gives attention to, and he's accepting them. So if you think you're too lowly, then just watch Jesus interact with people who are lowly in the Gospel of, of Luke. You're also not too high to not need Jesus. You, you don't have so much that you don't need Jesus because we all need Jesus. In, in the words of, of Isaiah, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You are included in that all on both ends of the spectrum. You're you're not too high or too low to be included in all. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that includes you. And so... Thinking of yourself too highly or too lowly, they're they're both pride. You should recognize that. It's it's easy to recognize that thinking of ourselves too highly is pride. I mean, you know, when we get around someone arrogant, we know, yeah, that's, that's prideful. Thinking that you are too lowly to be accepted by Jesus is just as much pride. Because what you have done is you've said, that my view of myself trumps what God's view of me is. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And if you say that doesn't include you, then you have now elevated your opinion and your belief over what the God of the universe says, I think that's pride. And you should let go of that. And you should receive 
what God says about you. You're not who you think you are. You're not who others say you are. You're who God says you are. And, and I love what C.S. Lewis says about humility. He says humility, sometimes we think that humility is thinking lowly of ourselves. He says humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's just fading into the background and dying to self and let Christ come to the forefront. So, Jesus says, today salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. Today is a day for salvation to come to you as you humble your, yourself before him. Verse, the last verse here has been called just the best summary of Luke's theme through the whole book. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came for. That's the work that he calls us to carry on. And that is where we will pause our study of Luke and we'll pick it up again next year. But today, today, would you come to Jesus as a child? Would you run? Would you climb a tree to see him? Don't let your stature or your station keep you from him. And in a moment, we're going we're gonna to close with a song, which we'll just do a couple of you know, verses and a chorus of, Daryl, because we're running late. But I, I want to do this song. And as we do this song, I just want to encourage you, if you're ready to, to come and run to Jesus today, I would encourage you to, to come physically. Sometimes it's just good. I mean, you can pray at your seat and call on Jesus, but sometimes it's just good to like move yourself and like get yourself up and drive a stake in the ground and say, I'm coming to pray to Jesus today. We'd love the opportunity to pray with you, or you can just come up here on the steps and just pray to him yourself as we sing. Here's the other takeaway that I want you to hear um, this morning, and, and that is don't let someone else's stature or station in life keep you from them. Because Jesus didn't let it happen in, in Zacchaeus' case. It's, it's God's kindness. If we're, if we're to carry on the work of Jesus, then we need to act like Jesus. And God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And so I wonder whose salvation, who is it in, in your life? Maybe you've had a little tendency to shy away from and God is saying, yeah, don't let their statue or their station keep them from you. You go be Jesus' hands and feet to them. Whose salvation story does God want to use you to be part of? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great salvation for us. Thank you for your great salvation for Zacchaeus, a man who could have thought too highly of himself to need you, could have thought too lowly of himself, that he wasn't worthy, and yet he pursued you. You, you received him, and your acceptance of him prompted a radical change of heart in his life. Lord, I pray for the person here this morning who needs that radical change in their life. Maybe they've thought too highly of themselves, and they're recognizing today they have a need of a Savior as well because they, they have wandered like a sheep. But I, I pray also for those who may think they're too lowly that they would recognize that, Jesus, you took on the sin and the iniquity of all of us and no one, no one is outside of that all. So Lord, we thank you for your provision for us. May we respond to you and may we carry on your work to be your hands and feet to, to a world that desperately needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.